This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, Jim Williams. What's going on, Jim? Three, two, one. One, two, three. Who the heck is bothering me? Looks over at Flyers Ownership and Management and yells, Shoo! The Carl Winslow method. I take my bow. Thank you very much. But, oh, my goodness. I mean, and we're going to get into it in just a second. I mean, we had a great, great weekend of NFL action, great weekend of Major League Baseball playoff action, but that is all being usurped by one of the most precipitous firings. Firings in the history of uh, the NHL, and I don't know why I'm hearing myself. I need to mute, mute things there. One second. There we go. Uh, we're talking about what happened in Philadelphia just about an hour ago at 11 a.m. when the press conference occurred that caused the firing of a one, Peter Laviolette. Horrible. Horrible move. There are no words. There are no words to explain the disdain I have for the organization. Uh. Emphasis on the I, because there's no I, you know, in that organization, or there's no we in the organization. They have no wee-wees, you might argue. Never never would I think, or back then would I have thought, that another team would get rid of a head coach after just a couple of games, and I thought the Lakers were the only morons to do so. And now you've got to put the Flyers in that category as well. We actually have a special guest who will be on later, who will uh, be explaining his thoughts in about 15 or 20 seconds about Flyers management. But we do have somebody on the line, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we do, and that's our good friend. Our main man. And our Exactly, he is our main man, and also the editor and founder of WrestleChat.net, Brett Clendaniel. What's going on, Brett? Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> what in the world are the Philadelphia Flyers thinking? I don't well, understand. Well, I think you just kind of answered your own question. They're not thinking. That's what it comes down to. Three games into the season, three losses, granted. And they pull the yeah. trigger already. There's, I mean, we talked about this. I think we mentioned it when we were doing NHL previews last week, John. Yes, we did. Uh, you know, begging the question, how long of a leash does Laviolette have? And apparently the leash is a freaking choker, and he's been asphyxiated from day one. It's it's a damn yeah, shame. I, it is. It is. I, I was actually texting with a friend last week uh, after they lost the uh, the home opener to the Maple Leafs, and I said, you know what? I said, Laviolette, especially after the preseason that they had, I mean, it was terrible. And I said, you know, if he gets off to a bad start, he is light. He's going to get canned. And uh, he, he, you know, we both kind of laughed about it. And he said, you know, but, but who would they bring in? And I, and I said, you know, probably Craig Berube. And I thought I was joking, uh, oh, but God. then it actually happens uh, four days later. And uh, I, it, it's insane. You know, Laviolette's firing after three games. That is the quickest hook on an NHL coach since 1969. So there's been 44 years, almost as long since the Flyers won their last Stanley Cup since an NHL coach has been let go after just three games. Yeah. And you know what? It's not like they went out, me and Jim were just talking about this pre-show, and upgraded at the head coaching position or even stayed on the same level of the Peter they absolutely downgraded by going to a yes man, a person who's been within the organization 
for more years than I care to count. A I mean, he was a lukewarm player at best, yeah. and, and he only spent a year in the American Hockey League. And because he's a, yes, sir, I'll shine your shoes, Mr. Snyder. Uh, yes, Mr. Holmgren, I'll get you a cup of coffee. I mean, this is literally corporate synergy at its worst. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to do anything. He's not going to do it. I mean, look, you look at his coaching record with the Philadelphia Phantoms. 86 games in parts of two seasons. Yeah, six games uh, back in 06, 07. Uh, yeah, whatever. They had a decent win-loss record, but they lost in the second round. What happened after that? He was brought right up as an assistant. So as you said pre-show, Jim, this is a Snyder and this is a homegrown guy, and that's the only reason why he got this job. Oh, absolutely. Now, where do you see the Flyers going with Barubi is the question. Brett, I'll defer to you. You're more in on this than I am. You know, because I, I, really, I got no words. I, I don't think – here's where I'm torn. I love Peter Laviolette. I think he's a great coach. Uh, he, he, you know, he won the Stanley Cup with the Hurricanes. He takes the Flyers to the Cup in his first full season. Um, you know, and they, they look really good. If they had a somewhat competent goaltender, the way that series went, the Flyers likely win a Stanley Cup. Uh, with that said, the team is so much different now. Uh, since then, we, we've shipped out Mike Richards. We've shipped out Jeff Carter. Uh, Danny Breer is no longer with the team. Chris Pronger is now, uh, you know, his career is over. The team is much different now than it was just two or three seasons ago during the cup run. Um, those those trades, while they I liked them at the time, and I still do, I love, I absolutely love the young players that we got back for those guys. I don't yeah. think Carter and Richards were the type of guys that were ever going to win in Philadelphia. Um, right. The type of team they have now is a very young team. You you really got to find a, a, a guy kind of like a Craig Ruby who, who I think these guys will not tune out and who will listen to. Um, I just think it, it was kind of the bad, you know, bad timing. You know, I think that, that uh, Lobby Let needs a more of a veteran team. And, uh, and, and I, you know, it is what it is. Uh, do I agree with it completely? No. I wish they would have waited a little bit longer. But I can understand why they made the move. Uh, m- most of my issue comes from I don't understand why Paul Holmgren has not been more of a target. I really hope when I heard the news this morning that there was going to be a press conference, my first thought was, man, I hope Holmgren is getting let go and they're going to replace him with Ron Hextall, who they signed in the offseason. He's the yeah. heir apparent. Everybody knows it. And I was really hoping that was going to be the move. You know, since Holmgren's been here, uh, he, he's been lauded quite a bit because he has made bold moves and he has brought in a lot of uh, really young players. But the, the same questions still remain. Uh, if, you, if, if you guys, I'm sure you guys caught the press conference that happened at 11 o'clock this morning. It was one of the best news conferences I've seen in my life. It was only 10 minutes long, and you could tell Holmgren was, was very uh, agitated. But Flyers owner Ed Snyder was, uh, <laughs> I don't even know the word to put it. He was a total douchebag, and it was fantastic to see because I've never seen Snyder like this. But, Snyder, you know, Snyder turned into, I'm sorry for interrupting, Snyder really turned into Al Davis during that press conference. He looked he like Al Davis of the Raiders. And the last question that he got asked, uh, it, the question was something along the lines of, you've been through 11 coaches now in 20 years. You have not won a cup in 38 years. This team has a history of bringing up people into the coaching staff into the front office, people that have been ingrained into this team for years, people like the Bobby Clarks and the Paul Holmgren. 
you know, that's, that's what people are talking about. And the question was, you know, with that happening, do you feel like maybe it's the culture and it's not so much these coaches? And yeah. he blew a gasket, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, but there's truth to that. When you consider the fact that I can't name that the Flyers are my favorite team if, of, across any sports franchise, bar none. You know, I grew up watching this team when I was four or five years old, sitting on, on my dad's lap in his recliner. You know, I know more about the Flyers than I know about any other sports team. And yeah. when it comes down to it, and, and I look back at just the hockey that I've seen from the Philadelphia Flyers in my lifetime, it's an embarrassment. And I think that that question really raised a lot of, you know, eyebrows. It, it kind of hit a light switch for me. And, and to look back and say, you know what, since I've been following this team, I don't remember, I don't remember ever having a shut-down young defenseman that we brought up through our own organization. We always had to go out and get the prongers and the team it ends. We never, we never have groomed them our, on our own. We haven't had a number one goaltender in over 20 years now. Uh, and, and I just I think it speaks to the culture of the organization. They got away from what made them famous, the Broad Street Bullies. They got away from what won them so many Stanley Cups, uh, and that was that gritty, you know, we'll smash your face in Philadelphia hockey. That's what they're known for, and they got away from it, and they're trying to be this flashy, high-scoring team now, and it simply does not work, and it's turning away fans. Well, it's turning away fans to a certain extent, but if you go to Flyers games, the Flyers still sell out. They still sell out the Wells Fargo Center. So you can't completely say that they're turning away fans in droves. Uh, you know, the fans still come out and support the team. And until there's some sort of a uh, a drop-off in that, which I still don't see because they are continually sold out, and I don't think they've not had a sellout in some time, you know, the, the the culture that is in place will not change. You're right, though. The homegrown nature, the homegrown talent is gone. They're trying to be, you know, they, they think they can pick and play uh, free agents, but they're kind of, to an extent, not in terms of money, because, you know, hockey you can't compare to baseball, but they're like the Yankees in that they try to poach talent that has had great success elsewhere, but by the time they come here, they're way past their prime. Well, there's a lot of teams like that. Well, I mean, the Flyers yeah. especially. I mean, oh, Chris Pronger is the greatest example of them all. Yeah. He was past his prime when he showed up here, and it's a damn shame because he's one of the best defensemen in, in recent memory in hockey. But, you know, age you know, the age caught up with him and what have you. Yeah. Uh, if I may quickly segue to try to lighten the mood here, uh, I got to a source of mine. I, I went uh, digging deep, in fact, to the underworld, as the, the case may be, to get a few thoughts from a legendary Philadelphian about the moves made by uh, and the thoughts and the, and, and the direction made by Paul Holmgren and, uh, and, and Ed Snyder earlier this morning. Uh, here now is uh, the late, great, legendary Mayor of Philadelphia, Frank Rizzo, with his thoughts on Paul Holmgren and Ed Snyder. Take it away. You're less than a man. Okay? You're a crumb creep. You're a real crumb bum. You're a coward. You're a yellow sneak. And you're a lush. Play every word of it, Crumb. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. There you go. The late, great mayor of Philadelphia on the Flyers' state of the organization. You got some crazy superpowers, Jim. Yeah. I, 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 I have my sources. You know, Eskin has his sources. I have mine. Mine happen to be YouTube. So. Uh, and unlike Eskin, yours are actually legit. 
uh, oh, too legit to quit. But but going back to Eskin, he really grilled them during the press conference. And you could see, you know, as soon as Eskin opened his big yapper, and he was spewing truth for yeah. once. He was Absolutely. spewing truth. Absolutely. Holmgren and Snyder got so freaking defensive, it wasn't even funny. Well, let me ask you this now. Paul Holmgren, he's got to be in the hot seat now. How long does he last with the Flyers? I don't know. I, I, right. I think he's good for the season. I, I don't think they let go of a GM in the middle of the season. I'd kind of be shocked to see that. I mean, they'd have to absolutely free fall. Well, well, I, but, uh, I'm shocked that they got rid of a head coach in three games. So I can't. I don't think you can put anything past them, quite frankly, at this point. Here's something else that's pretty shocking. Uh, they did not give uh, Craig Berube an, an interim tag. They actually gave him a three-year yeah. contract. Ridiculous. You know, in the last five years, we have let go Peter Laviolette and Ken Hitchcock, two of the best coaches that you will find in hockey today. The Philadelphia Flyers have let walk away. Hitchcock's going in St. Louis. A lot of people think they're going to win the cup this year. Yep. You know, it's it's It's, mind-numbing. It's crazy. Uh, You know, you just look at the list of coaches that they have gone through, and they've had some good coaches, but yet – Nothing happens in Philadelphia. Because the culture hasn't changed, as, as Brett so rightly said. We haven't had a good defense here in well over a decade, let's say. We haven't had a starting goaltender of any merit since Ron Hextall. No. Uh, I made mention of it last week. Uh, that image, that uh, uh, viral image of a, of a Browns fan with the last names taped of all the quarterbacks that have been going through the history, the recent history of the new Cleveland Browns. You could do the same thing for Flyers goaltenders, and I think the list would be even longer. I mean, we go through goaltenders like most people go through underwear. It is ridiculous. It is depressing. It is sad. And we bring people back. Ray Emery's back, for God's sakes. But again, looking at these three losses, Brett, I really don't pin it on the goaltending. I pin it on the fact that we have no defense. We have no special teams unit that does anything worth a damn. And, you know, there's no direction with this team. And I don't mean from management or from coaching. I mean from within. There's no leadership on this team. There isn't at all. And, and you know, this is the this is the what happens when uh, you – I love Claude Giroux. I think he's one of the top five players in the world. But, you, you know, they, there was a, a big discussion after Mike Richards left about him getting the captaincy way too early in his career. And uh, – I think that Claude Giroux is kind of at that spot. I mean, he definitely is a leader, but, you know, how effectively can a, you know, a guy who's in his early 20s lead a bunch of other guys who are in their early 20s? You know, it's, it's uh, it, it, there's a fine line, and I, I really think the team lacks a lot better leadership. Uh, Danny Breer, as much as I didn't like the guy, was probably a good guy to, you know, to keep around. Uh, team in him is, is only signed through this year. He's an assistant captain. He's, he's likely done after this season. You know, he'll either yeah. retire or go somewhere else. And uh, we're, we're back to square one. And I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I think goaltending has actually been the best uh, part of this team so far this season. And uh, the, the, it really comes down to offense. I mean, I don't think the defense has been that atrocious, and, and I think the goaltending has been, been above average. But when you go, what was it, one for fifteen combined in the uh, in the power play? These first three games, I, I, I could be and, off there, but something like that that mm-hmm. can't happen. You're, you're not going to no. win games like that. Well, and and historically, over the better part of the last 
I don't know how many years, the special teams for this team have been lackluster, and you know this. We've always been in the bottom ten when it comes to the league in, in power play, uh, uh, you know, power play on offense. It's just, I, I feel for the fans. I feel for, for people like you who are true fans of this team. Not that I'm not a true fan. I, I, I watch hockey. I, I get, I'm more a baseball football guy by nature. But it's, it's just mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing how this, this franchise has been stuck in neutral for the better part of a couple of decades. And, and that's that's the sad fact. Ever since, and you know, they, they've been stuck in neutral. Even though, yes, they've had Stanley Cup final appearances. Right after them, what happened is right back down to the sewer. Right back down to, oh, we're that playoff team that gets bounced in the first round every year. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Brett. From what we know of Craig Berube, which unfortunately isn't enough because never a head coach in the NHL, only one season in the AHL, what do you see this team doing under Berube? Uh, I, what I do know is that I, I don't really know how they're going to perform, but I do know that Berube's a hard-nosed guy. He's third all-time in the NHL in penalty minutes. On his staff is Ian LaPerriere, uh, also another hard, hard-nosed guy. Uh, we may see this team do what I was referring to earlier and maybe go back and play more of a hard-nosed, grittier style. Uh, you know, the, the, I think the playoffs are, are, are probably something that's far-fetched to consider at the moment, uh, but I think that we're going to see a team that plays a lot harder, and uh, we're going to also see a guy that if this team is not performing or if a player is making mistakes, we're going to see a guy who's not going to be afraid to put these guys on the bench, and, um, not- and, I, and I think that's a welcome change. Not to sound like Jim Mora Jr., but playoffs? Oh, like if we could win a game at this point. <laughs> Honest to goodness. Now, do you see Barubi staying here for the whole three years of this contract? No. No, Philadelphia coaches do not uh, do not finish their contracts. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just a damn shame when you see guys like Guy Boucher just sitting there not coaching in this league. Yeah. And here comes a, a prime spot for a coach like uh, – Boucher, but guess what? Nope, Barubi's in there. So, yeah, I mean, for a team that's been that's that gone 38 years without a cup, I mean, I, I'd like to at least still consider that the Flyers is one of the, those teams that in hockey that that uh, most towns wish they had. You know, most towns wish they had fans like Philly fans. They wish they had a sold out arena like Philadelphia has. Absolutely, you know, and, and, a, and a winning culture, a winning, uh, winning. You know, they have an ownership that will spend every cent to get them there. And in hockey, that's kind of rare. Um, yeah, but we don't win. Wrong people. Yeah. They're spending it on the wrong people, and ownership is getting more senile by the day, so they don't know what they're doing. Um, and somebody said it on Facebook to me uh, earlier before the show. Uh, it's time for Ed Snyder to go bye-bye. And you know this as well as I do, Brett. The only way Ed Snyder is done with his tenureship with the Philadelphia Flyers is when he dies in the ownership share. That's the that's the reality. He's like the Pope. He will he will not be replaced on his own free will. Yeah. Oh no, he didn't look good today to me. So. Well, he he channeled his inner Al Davis, like yeah. I said. Oh, he was shaking, like you said. He's sitting there stroking his water bottle. He was going. He was stroking his water bottle, which is yeah. a metaphor for him, I think. Quite frankly. There you go. To, to be fair, I did I did read uh, something on Twitter that kind of intrigued me, and that is that uh, Ed Snyder is is. Uh, He's really a, a fan at heart. You know, that guy oh, wants to win more than anything. And, yeah. and I think that's a lot of what we saw today. Wasn't him being offended and agitated. He's legitimately upset. He's angry that his, talent, that his team is going through this again, that it's going to go through this public embarrassment. You know, after the 
Ilya Brzgalov plagued season that he still hears about. And, 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 you know, looking back on the press conference, that's what I see. I see a guy who he wants to win so bad. And it's for whatever reason, you know, or for all the reasons that we've listed, it's just, it's just not happening. But, I, but I'm I'm telling you right now, and not to not to upset you or anything, they're not going to win while Snyder's alive. I hate to say that. Well, while Snyder has a position with this team, they will not win a cup. I think that's that's a given at this point it's, because of the people and personnel he insists on having put in place. It's not going to happen. Well, it's looking that way. I mean, it's 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 not like Snyder's turning around and saying, "Listen, what are we doing wrong all of these years? Am I employing the wrong people? Do I bring in?" Somebody with a hockey mind that has that front office experience, and I'm not talking about Paul Hunger. I'm talking about going out and getting a proven guy. It's not happening, and it's already 2013. So, well, and if you look at the immediate future, there's no uh, there's no end in sight because it looks like we're going to have Craig Craig Ruby for a few years, and when Paul Holmgren is done, we're going to bring in another guy who I love in Ron Hextall, but is another guy who's very much ingrained into this organization and has been for a long time. Yeah. But the difference is, the difference is, Hextall, unlike Baruby, you know, when it comes to management as a GM, he's actually, you know, won a cup outside of his playing days, too. So, there's that. There's a little, there's a small hook to hang your hat on when it comes to Hexy. Yeah. Well, who knows what what they'll do, so... Maple Leafs uh, head coach Randy Carlisle called it absurd that the Flyers have fired... Peter Laviolette also saying, I'm surprised that it happened to him, and I am surprised that it happened so quickly. So you're going to hear a lot about uh, Laviolette from other head coaches, I'm sure, about it. When Randy freaking Carlisle becomes the voice of reason, something's wrong. How bad is that? (laughs) That's, I mean, once again, another dark day in the history of the Philadelphia Flyers, and there have been darker days, uh, more dark days than light days. uh, I I really think this is one of the worst years ever. It's easily, easily the worst year of my life for Philadelphia sports when you when you look at, at, at all of them combined. It's a bad well, well, year to be a fan of the, of, of the franchise. Well, yeah, and you town. look, and, and, and Brett, you look at the situation in, with the Phillies. I'm just going to make and draw the obvious comparison. The Phillies and the Flyers, not too removed from each other, both with idiot general managers who are yes-men, who are making horrible moves on a daily basis, yet keeping their jobs, and for what? I don't know. Ruin tomorrow, Junior, and ruin tomorrow, hockey. That's what it is. Brett is speechless. <laughs> I, hey, in that case, actually, actually my, my oodles and noodles just got off the stove. So, uh, well, there you, there you go. All right, Brett, man, we'll let you go, man. We appreciate Thank you, you guys. Uh, call in, man. Thanks for the Thank you for me. commiserating, brother. <laughs> Take care, guys. Take care. All right. Brett Clendaniel from WrestleChat.net joining us here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Uh <laughs> On Leary of the Chad, huh? I just got to sit down. What are you talking about? There you go. So thanks, thanks, John. We're yeah. talking to him in the chat room the whole time. He's not even there. Yeah, he doesn't, he's like, oh, Flyers. Who cares about the Flyers? Well, let's uh, throw out the number here real quick: three four seven two three seven five three seven three. If you want to call in and give your thoughts and your opinions on the firing of former Flyers head coach Peter Laviolette. And, uh, of course, the hiring of uh, Craig Berube, who uh, it seems uh, a big chunk of the Flyers fans have no idea who he even is, even though he was sitting on the bench for the last bunch of years. So. And the fact that he played, like, fourth-string defense for us and what have you, as a, like you like uh, Brett mentioned, a penalty-eating guy and what have you. You can also click to Skype. Uh, you click the Skype button next to the phone number. You can interact with us on Skype. We have a chat room. 
and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, all sorts of ways you can get in touch with us here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio if you want to bring up anything in regards to the Labulette thing. And I'll, let it be said, we will be talking about other things. We are not just yes. a Philadelphia show, as Sean will tell you, because he's a native New Yorker. Um, you know, and we're going to get into some NFL, yeah, I, I, I think. Why did you just say New Yaka like a guy from well, Massachusetts? Well, because I've been talking with Leary again. That's why. Leave John alone, man. Well, well, you know. we got to get, you know, John, man, you got to come on here one day, man. we really got to have a Boston-Philly throwdown. That's it. <laughs> a Boston-Philly party. Yeah. Oh, I'm, well, it won't be a throwdown. I'm, Leary's good people. I have nothing against Leary. He's a good man. Uh, put he puts up with you, so obviously he's a good man. He'll put you in the camel clutch and make you humble. No, he well, you know what I look like. Try getting me into a camel clutch. It ain't it ain't pretty. Uh, put you in the master lock then. Oh jeez, I don't need. All right, let's. You know what? We thanked Brett, but we also have to great uh, you know thank the late great mayor of Philadelphia, Frank Rizzo, for Frank joining us. Frank Rizzo, well. and and for those of you who are just tuning into the show, no, let's not play it again. Let's not. We, we, I could. Well, you know what? Okay, again, these are the thoughts of uh, uh, the late mayor Frank Rizzo on both Paul Holmgren and uh, and Ed Snyder. Go ahead, one more time. You're less than a man. Okay, you're a crumb creep. You're a real crumb bum. You're a coward. You're a yellow sneak. And you're a lush. Play every word of it, crumb. Thank you, Mister Mayor. That was Holmgren taking it like a man. Thank you, Mr. Uh, you know what? You know what about Frank Rizzo? He, he killed is. Uncle Frank. You know that's my main man. Yeah, he's my man. Thank you. Join us on Wednesday when we'll hear from Mayor Dinkins of oh. New York, and then on Friday we'll 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 even it out on the I ninety five and get Mayor Barry from uh, from Washington D.C. I don't know about Mayor Dinkins. I'd love to have. Unfortunately, he's gone now. But the late great Mayor Ed Koch. Oh, well, well, I can go through some people's court episodes. Great. Yeah. The Knicks, the Knicks were winning when he was mayor. Yeah. So. Uh, well, that's it. you know, enough with the Flyers. I'm sure we'll have to get into that again on Wednesday or Friday because I'm sure we're going to hear a lot oh. from head coaches around the league about uh, Peter Lavia let me let go three days. I want to uh, hear what Don Cherry has to say this weekend. That's what I want to hear. Uh, Don Cherry. I, I, I can't even listen to him because the colors just hurt my eyes so bad that it makes my head swell. All right. Well, we, we've got NFL to recap, and what a wild, wild Sunday and early Monday it was in the National Football League. It was It was a fun Sunday, though. Yes. It really was. So let's start off with this game first, and that is the New Orleans Saints going 5-0, and defeating the Chicago Bears 26-18. to What did you take from this game, Jim? This one surprised me a little bit. Pierre Thomas went off, and I, I'm, you know, I do the fantasy football thing, as you well know. Uh, you, you also do too, but you don't care about your team, so you never set starters or anything. Good for you. This week I did. Oh, you did. Hey, you know, I, I, I didn't draft it, so I hate to continually go. You know, draft it, me, 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 me. Come on now. Uh, because you and Carl like to do drafts at 11 o'clock at night when normal people... No, we uh, stop that. Don't say that. It was like 8.30, 9 o'clock in the evening, okay? No, no it, was, it was my fault. I forgot, so... You're, 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 don't make me call you a crumb bomb. I got half... You're a lot. By, by that time, it was, uh, you know, good enough for me to uh, pick up Matt Castle, so... Well, and Matt Castle, more on that momentarily, mind you, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Uh, Drew Brees went 29-35 for 288 and two touchdowns. Clean game from Drew Brees. Jay Cutler didn't do too bad either, but Thomas with two receiving touchdowns. Uh, pretty much he's the second wide receiver in New Orleans behind some guy named Jimmy Graham who continues his excellence. Uh, Ten grabs, 135 yards. Uh, you know, I, this was a competitive game. It was a shootout. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey had himself a game and a half. For oh, over so I had to pick him up. Oh. Just, you know, it it was just uh, an interesting game, and these are two teams that very easily could face each other in the playoffs. So, it, 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 it could go down that way. Eh. It absolutely can. Absolutely can. All right, well, let's get into a game that we know John Leary's not going to be too happy about, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals going 3-2, and two, knocking off the perfect New England Patriots 13-6, New England now 4-1. and one. No touchdown for Tom Brady, Jim. Yes, uh... So where's you know how they have the uh, memes for oh you did that oh that's interesting I've done that more often same sort of thing here with the Brady streak ending I think it's you know the law of averages catching up because we we we've, we've been wondering how long can this Patriots team do it with no name wide receivers virtually no name wide receivers by comparison <laughs> and uh, they couldn't last much longer. I mean, LeGarrette Blount, you know, not doing much. Amendola was the leading receiver, and he had 55 yards receiving. Uh, again, it's not like the Bengals were setting the world on fire. They just did enough defensively to uh, put a kibosh on Tom Brady and uh, hold him to under 200 yards, and he threw a pick, and he completed less than 50% of his passes. And if you complete less than 50% of your passes, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, and it was the former Patriot, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, coming in with the touchdown. And look at this, uh, our, our, your main man, John Leary. Eh, they lost to the better team. Yeah, he said that to me yesterday. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, see, see, I respect John because he's a realist like me. Oh, he's a he's a fan. He's a fan of the sport, not well, just. Well, the team, well, so. no, it's it. I call it a realist because listen, I'm an Eagles fan, but I call a spade a spade, okay? And he's a Patriots fan, but he calls a spade a spade, and that's why I respect him. There yeah. you go. We'll get to that Eagles game, too, man, in a bit. That, that's mind-numbing as well. Now, let's go into the next game, and that was the Detroit Lions losing to the Green Bay Packers 22-9. to No Megatron means no win for Detroit. I think that just sums it up perfectly right there. Megatron, pretty much uh, a couple hours before game time, was uh, inactive. And who the heck does Matt Stafford have to throw to? Brandon Pettigrew? That's not going to get the job done. Tony Scheffler? That's not going to get the job done. Uh, but again, a good the big target. A good game for Eddie Lacy running uh, uh, for 99 yards. Randall Cobb though having a little fun. Yeah, a little trickeration there. Uh, but uh, you know, just just a good game for Aaron Rodgers. Good, clean, solid game. And uh, the Lions, you hate to say it, they're one dimensional. They're one dimensional still. Even with Reggie, or I want to keep calling him Reggie Bush. Uh, Reggie. <laughs> Ever since that commercial, but it's so true. Uh, they stymied him to just 44 yards on 13 carries. And, uh, again, th- th- listen, I understand the culture of this league is to pass first, second, and third, but show some sort of balance. When you when you do two-thirds of one and not enough of the other, you set yourself up for failure. And I know I'm repeating the same old tired lines every week, but we have to bring them up. I mean, look at what – look at – you know, it was a pretty even balance. I think it was 23, 25, 33 rushing plays to 30 pass plays for the Packers. A yeah. pretty even balance. 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 Like if, 
By comparison, the Lions passed the ball 40 times and ran the ball 19 times. Yeah. So absolutely. better than better than two to one, and, and that's how you end up losing games. But I do have to say the highlight of this game for me was when James Jones got his touchdown, goes for the Lambeau leap, only to be denied and pushed back to the field by Detroit Lions fans. That was great. Yeah, that was. Uh, he got a kick out of it too, which was even better. So was, well, hey, you know, what can you say? Absolutely. Let's move on to Indianapolis. This was a good game. Uh, the Colts, captain comeback material yet again, beating the Seattle Seahawks, knocking them from the ranks of unbeaten with their first regular season loss since November 25th, 34-28. Do you, Mr. Ragus, believe in the Colts as a legitimate contender now? I absolutely do. They're just playing really, really good football now. You know, everybody was talking about how how they're going to be so much better with Trent Richardson, and we're really not seeing a lot from Trent Richardson with the Indianapolis Colts rushing 18 times for 56 yards yesterday. But it's that balance. It gives Andrew Luck and the Colts another hand to just hand the ball off to and not have to worry about consistently throwing it the entire game. 29 passes for Luck, 29 rush attempts by the Colts, even right there. And honestly... They just shut down the Seahawks at, at, at you know at the last quarter of the game. So I honestly believe that the Colts are a playoff caliber team. How far in the playoffs can they go is the question. And T.Y. Hilden, the sophomore phenom, man, sure. man. He had himself a game yesterday. Five grabs, 140, his longest of 73 for a touchdown. Uh, beautiful thing. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm still not sold on Russell Wilson. I, I'm not. I mean, listen. We see good games from Russell Wilson. So far last year, really not much this year. You're not really seeing the Russell Wilson we saw of last season. But yesterday, 51, uh, excuse me, 15 of 31, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception for a QB rating of, uh, excuse me, for a rating of 78.7. But then he rushed 13 times for 102 yards. When you get that kind of production out of your quarterback, how do you not win? Yeah, uh, it, there are no words. No, there, there are no there words. Isn't. There really isn't. It's uh, it's a shame, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, roll it over to Andy Reid, because I know this is <clears throat> a little bit. Just just a little bit, Jim. It has to. That Andy Reid is now 5-0 and after a 26-17 to win over the Tennessee Titans yesterday. Once again, there are no words. That's going to be the theme here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tennessee is not that good a team. And remember, they have a different quarterback at the helm, Fitzpatrick, this week. Who you know he did the best he could, but in the beginning, yeah, he he didn't have much to work with. Uh, again, the story is the defense for Kansas City. Their defense was stout, yes, and then some today uh, or yesterday rather. And Alex Smith, you know, he threw a pick, all well and good, but Jamal Jamal Charles bailed him out with a touchdown and 108 yards on the ground. Uh, hard to believe it took Andy Reid going to Kansas City to learn how to run the football. Yeah. Um. For that, I want to kill him. No, but uh, against a team that hasn't been good for a long time, I tell you, let me. I'm not trying to take away from the five and zero start, but the fact of the matter is, you look at their schedule. They have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. I mapped it out with a friend of mine yesterday over the phone, and there is a legitimate chance Kansas City finishes the season at least eleven and five. Because their strength of opposition is abysmal. They play a lot of cupcake teams that are at 500 or worse. So on that sheer fact alone, they're a playoff team and they can coast. Talk to me when they face the tough teams in their schedule. 
Talk to me when they face Denver twice. Then we'll see what they're made of. Well, you never know. We will find that out. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the uh, little bit of a uh, snooze fest uh, yesterday. At least to me it was. The 0-5 Jaguars losing 34-20 to to the St. Louis Rams. Uh, it, listen, it was a 14-point win for St. Louis, but I, I don't think they did it convincingly. Jacksonville actually had the lead in this game. That's all you need to know. They had the lead for a cup of coffee in this game. Again, it's a testament to two teams that are still woefully going the wrong way. Uh, you know, Blaine Gabbert is not the answer. No. Chad Henney is not the answer. The only answer for Jacksonville, if I may steal a line from SCTV, may the good Lord take a liking to you and blow you up real good. I mean, they need to be blown up. Yeah. It's just, you know... It, why it, why it, not sign Tebow? I, seriously, it's going to put fans in the seats. It puts butts in the seats. It, it it gives you money, but no. And I don't think at this point, I don't think Tebow even wants to go there. I I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Number one, but number I mean, listen, he wants to be a starting quarterback. If Jacksonville offers him the starting quarterback job, he's going to sign. He wants to be sure. home. He wants to be in the NFL. It's the perfect spot for him. But at the same time, he's not going to do no worse than Blaine Gabbert or Chad Henney. To me, I think it would be an upgrade. To be honest. Yeah, and that's that's pretty sad. You know, plus you got Justin Blackman back. Cecil Shorts the third. He's he's a, he's a good complimentary wide receiver. I mean, he's got some targets to throw to. You got MJD who looked a little better yesterday. Seventeen carries, right. seven yards. But remember, when you get Tebow, you get the Lord. Yes, you do. The, the Lord. Yeah, and then they they need some salvation down there. They really right. do. Let's go through a couple of these games uh, fairly quickly. Uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, defeating the Miami Dolphins 26-23. to Dolphins dropping two in a row. They were 3-0. and Now they're 3-2. and uh, So is this the uh, – are these the Dolphins we were uh, looking forward to, Jim? I don't know. Way too early to say. I mean, uh, the AFC East is, uh, uh, is a jumble to me. Uh, I, 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 really, I really can't give you a tell on the Dolphins at this point. No. Really can, and I can't give you a tell on the Ravens either. Aside from the fact that they're not as good as they let on in the game and the stretch run of the game, so not at all. I mean, everybody just doesn't look good on this team. Joe Flacco, Ray Rice, none of them look good. They're a mess. They're a mess. You know, Ray Rice, of course, had the two touchdowns. But I'm talking about from the fumble standpoint. This is a guy that's usually uh, got the grip of uh, you know a bodybuilder, and you know fumbled a couple of times. So you're going to break out like the mighty putty. You go Billy Mays on me here. No, uh, he's hot hands hanging. Indeed. Sticky hands. All right, your Philadelphia Eagles now two and three, dropping the Giants to zero and five, thirty-six to twenty-one win. But the story here: Vic injured. Looks like he might not play next Sunday. And start the quarterback carousel yet again. Oh, Nick Foles is the answer. No, once again, ladies and gentlemen, let the voice of reason speak to you. This is Jim Williams speaking. Okay, you do not run the damn ball. Give it to Shady twenty to twenty-five times a game. Okay. He didn't look good yesterday. He didn't look good yesterday, but he got in the end zone. And he and he, he almost had 100 all-purpose yards, and that's okay. Nick Foles looked good, though. Nick Foles did look good. But again, this run first with this team. You have to run first with arguably the most explosive back in at least the NFC and maybe in the entire league. You've got to lead on Shady McCoy, in my opinion. Well, now I think you will with uh, Foles or Barkley. There, if Vic doesn't start. Oh, absolutely! It's a great yeah. fantasy play for you kids who, uh, you know, he's not on any wafer wires. Who the hell am I kidding? Yeah. But, but let me let me just go to the flip side with the Giants. This is a team that may only win two games this season. 
this, I mean, they may beat the Redskins twice, and that's about it. If they're lucky. I mean, if they're lucky. If they're if, lucky right now. I hate to say it, but the Giants just, they, they don't look like they can win a game. Yeah, the offensive line doesn't show up. The defense is not there, uh, you, you know. Eli with the interceptions constantly this season. And for the second week in a row, and I mentioned it in the loss last week, the Eagles played a clean game. They didn't turn the ball over. Say what you will about the offense, and if it succeeds or not, they play clean football. They do not turn the football over. Yeah, but, you know, not turning over doesn't relate to wins, though, either. So mm, it, it, Yeah. It helps, but it doesn't relate to a definite win. That's the... Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about, and we'll reference the Eagles again in just a moment when we talk about uh, uh, what happened in the game of the week. But first, let's go to the real eh, Arizona beating Carolina twenty-two to six. Bruce Arians has coached them up, and Carolina's Ron Rivera better be looking for steady employment at a, an Atlantic gas station near you. <laughs> and Cam Newton. <laughs> uh, th- this is true. Very true. All right, uh, six uh, six interceptions in this game: three by Newton, three by Palmer. Um, Look at it. It was you know Jay Feely kicked a couple of good ones. Cam Newton getting sacked in the end zone. It was a sloppy game. Yeah, sloppy, sloppy on game. all ends. Yet Arizona still has a winning record. So, yeah. what about the game yesterday? The big big game. Broncos the game and of the year of the, the week. Texas shootout with the Broncos going to five and zero at the last second on a field goal by Matt Prater, fifty one to forty eight over Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys. There's a famous saying in the history of football, defense wins championships. By that logic, neither of these teams are going to win anything anytime soon because there was no defense. It was just too much offense on both sides. Tony Romo, give the devil his due. He threw for over 500 yards. No single-game quarterback in Dallas history. There's no single-game performance in Dallas history uh, for a quarterback who's thrown more yardage than him. But, of course, it's vintage Tony Romo because he throws the pick, the one pick at the worst possible time. Absolutely. It was it was terrible, man. He it looked, was beautiful. He looked like a monster yesterday, Tony Romo. There was one point in, in the game where he was scattering, and he broke at least four guys trying to sack him. It was able to get the ball off and get a first down on on a third uh, on a third and out. It was amazing. It was he looked so good until once again Tony Romo put him in a group of quarterbacks that tried to do too too much to win, and he throws the ball away. And Manning only and Manning threw his first interception of the season, so he's human. Oh yeah, twenty touchdowns, one interception. Uh, yeah, I fire him. Those fire his ass. Unbelievable, man. Peyton Man- Manning, Manning still uh, quietly threw for 414 yards and four touchdowns, by the way. Just wanted to mention that. Very quietly he did that. Also, a uh, good game from Nashawn Marino. He really carved the Cowboys up yesterday. 19 carries, 93 yards, one touchdown. But Tony Romo, three different receivers had over 100 yards. I mean, you don't see that every day. So You, you just don't You don't see 99 points put up on the damn board every day either. It was, was just it was a fun game to watch if you love high-scoring uh, shootouts. And it was like a high school football game. It was great. Yeah, yeah, under the Sunday night lights. Well, speaking of the Sunday night lights, San Francisco riding the ship, and then some, boy, Houston's in a bad, bad way. Bad way. Their defense, you know what? They're knocking Schaub all the time, and, yeah, Schaub did not look good last night. But you got to give a lot of credit to the 49ers' defense. They really stepped up their game after uh, just being – Pretty awful, uh, you know, for the beginning of the season. But it's the Houston Texans defense, too. They're not playing good defense. They're not. And, again, you look at the stat line and you see Kaepernick threw 6 of 15 for 113 yards and a touchdown. 
Again, a little bit misleading because he didn't have to do a whole lot because he had short fields to work with more often than not. And the defense showed up and helped the cause out. You know, it just and the running game. It was all the little things that got the job done. And the interception uh, return as well for uh, the touchdown by uh, Tremaine Brock. So that exactly. Helps. I mean, this this again. There's still the jury is definitely still out on Colin Kaepernick. Let's call it spade a spade. But this defense and this special teams unit for the 49ers, uh, in the words of the Sheiky, they are the real. Not even that, man. 15 throwing attempts by Kaepernick and only one rushing attempt. What the hell did he do this game? Um, well, Where was he? He? <laughs> he? He took a couple cat naps, I think. Easily. A, There's no question about it. a couple cat naps and... Uh, Again, when you you know three picks for the defense, Matt Schaub, like you mentioned, not looking great. I mean, they brought in T.J. Yates and he didn't do jack and squat, so there's no quarterback controversy really in Houston. No, um, yeah, well, it's just you know it's a mess down there. It's a mess down there. Yeah, and you know what? This is one of the teams we were you know we were speaking so high about. Well, that there's the, there's the trouble when you when we speak high about somebody, we need to knock them down a few pegs. Well, we have been speaking highly about. Terrell Pryor. Ah, look at that segue. I taught you well. And he looked damn good last night as the Oakland Raiders defeated the San Diego Chargers 27-17. And this is the first game so far this season, to me, where Phillip Rivers hasn't looked good. Yeah, Phillip Rivers, well, well don't let the stats fool you because yeah. it was garbage time material, 36-49 for, for 4-11. But that was garbage time material because he... He looked lost for three quarters of that football game. He just looked flat out lost. Pryor sliced and diced his way like a madman in this game, and he did all the little things to, to you know, keep drives going and what have you. I think Pryor is the answer. I think if you give him time, if you give him a little more weaponry to work with in Oakland, I think he could be the answer for this team uh, to get them back to at least respectability. I'm not saying playoffs. I'm saying respectability. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed watching this Monday morning. It was all it was a fun game to watch. Fun who, game to watch. Who would have thought at this point in time Terrell Pryor would be a better quarterback than Eli Manning this season? Not I said the <laughs> Not I said the Jameson. It's crazy. Uh let's get into our Monday night game. We both picked Atlanta. But it is my New York Jets two and two taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons one and three. Jim, what do you expect from this game? A heavy dose of Tony Gonzalez, maybe a little Jacquees Rogers on, on the side. Atlanta is in a position where they are so PO'd about the way they've been playing as of late. that They have to come out guns a-blazing. Otherwise, forget about it. Their season's done. This is a must-win at this stage of the season. If there are any hopes for playoff aspirations for the Falcons, and I expect them to blow the Jets' doors off tonight, quite frankly. Yeah, it's not going to be a pretty game, let me tell you. And uh, I'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna, Which means I'm happy for him. They're going to need like, to get a lot out of Bilal Powell tonight in order to somewhat do to do anything tonight against the Atlanta Falcons defense. Geno Smith has to be near perfection. Good thing, though, is that Bilal Powell is not going to have to do it all in his own. The uh, Jets uh, got Mike Goodson back off of his suspension, so that's going to help out where they uh, – you know, can share the uh, ball a little bit from the running back spot. Santonio Holmes, out. He's done for a while. They bring in David Nelson, formerly of the Buffalo Bills, so that gives Geno Smith another big target to throw to. And you know what? They're giving Geno Smith the weapons to help, but I don't know. Just not looking good right now for Geno Smith and the Jets. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to be bad. Let's talk about a uh, team that had a bye week and did not play this, and that's the Minnesota Vikings picking up Josh Freeman, which we called here last week on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Jim, does Josh Freeman start for the Minnesota Vikings? Your guess is as good as mine. I, I was asking a bunch of my friends, how do you rearrange the deck chairs in Minneapolis? And I really don't know. I think the only given is Christian Ponder is nowhere near the equation of starting for this team anytime soon. The question is, do you put Castle in as the starter with Freeman as the backup? I'm inclined to think that's the way to go, yeah. but I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, Jay Glazer came out and said that the Vikings wanted Josh Freeman on a two-year deal, but Freeman only wanted one. It's now up to Christian Ponder to play his butt off to keep his job. He's not going to. He's going to lose the job. And as I said, somewhat facetiously, but somewhat truthfully, also, Samantha Ponder will be the one who's winning the bread in the Ponder family right now. Yeah, so you know, you would have to think if if the Vikings are going, they already have Ponder, they already have Matt Castle. You would have to think. Matt Castle is going to play next week, and yes. if he does not do good, that Josh Freeman would probably would probably start the week after. Because I, honestly, to me, I think Ponder's done with the Vikings. I think he's done, and and quite frankly, he could be done. Mate, I don't want to say in the NFL, you can never truly say that. But who would pick up Christian Ponder in their right frame of mind as a backup? I wouldn't mind having Christian Ponder on a team, but when it came to him actually starting these games and uh, playing a full game, exactly. You know, and it's sad because we've seen glimpses of Ponder where he looks like a great quarterback. Well, those glimpses have been few and far between, and it's not like he doesn't. It's not like he doesn't have weapons in Minnesota. He does. He just can't throw the football within five yards of them. Listen, when you have Adrian Peterson running behind you, you don't even have to rely on your wide receiver options. That's right. the thing. I mean, well, come on. Well, once again, that becomes you know not unlike the Josh Freeman situation in Tampa. That becomes more a question of the play calling. So much as it is the quarterback ability, if they don't run the ball enough with Adrian Peterson, you know, who do you fault? So yeah. that's well, where that comes. Matt Castle looked good. Uh, what was that, in London last week they were in playing against the Yes, Steelers? London so, calling. Yes. I picked up Castle. Hopefully uh, he has a game next week. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You want to give us a, a little bit of a uh, MLB playoff update, Jim? Well, we have a quadruple header yet again today. If you're a baseball fan like yours truly, you have died and gone to baseball heaven. A quick recap on the things over the weekend. We had four games on Friday. Pittsburgh uh, beat the St. Louis Cardinals into submission 7-1. to one. The Red Sox, oh my goodness, just breaking out the whooping stick on Tampa Bay 12-2. to two. Atlanta beat the Dodgers 4-3 to three, and the Tigers over Oakland 3-2. to two. Then Saturday, a pair of games. Uh, the game two between Boston and Tampa Bay went to the Red Sox 7-4. to And then a little come-from-behind fashion uh, win in the ninth inning for the Oakland Athletics, beating Detroit one nothing to even that series up at a game apiece. Yesterday's action, lost and buried behind everything. Pittsburgh uh, doing the job at home, beating the uh, St. Louis Cardinals 5-3. to They're in a position to clinch this afternoon. And the Dodgers beating Atlanta 13-6. to uh, yeah, good stuff for them taking uh, taking one right there uh, at Dodger Stadium. So let's let's set everything up here, shall we? First game this afternoon is Game Three between Oakland and Detroit. The series is, I do believe, even at one game apiece. Parker on the mound against Sanchez for uh, Detroit. <clears throat> Excuse me, my throat's a little sore. 
Uh, game uh, two of the day is game four of St. Louis and Pittsburgh in PNC Park. Pittsburgh with a chance to clinch their first berth in the league championship series since 1992. Uh, Waka versus Morden for St. Louis and Pittsburgh. I just like saying Waka. So that's Waka, Waka. <laughs> exactly. Uh, game three in the Boston-Tampa Bay series. Uh, first pitch shortly after 6 o'clock on TBS. Very funny. Clay Buckholz, you know, unbelievable year he's had even though he missed three months. 12-1 and one with an ERA of 174 coming in against uh, Mr. Cobb for Tampa Bay. Uh, that series, uh, Boston can do the job and clinch in Tampa Bay tonight. And finally, game for the Dodgers and the Braves. The Dodgers in a position to clinch over Atlanta. Uh, Ricky Nolasco going for the Dodgers. Garcia going for Atlanta. That one, first pitch at 9.30 Eastern time. So if I'm, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, you have uh, three potential clinching games here. Pittsburgh can beat St. Louis. They win the uh, berth in the NLCS. Boston beats Tampa Bay. They win a berth in the ALCS. And the Dodgers, if they beat Atlanta, because I do believe, uh, yes, the just double-checking myself here, the Dodgers have two games in that series already. Dodgers can clinch tonight as well over the Bravos. And that's a look at Major League Baseball when it comes to the playoff situation. By the way, the first game... The Oakland-Detroit game uh, is on MLB Network this afternoon, so check your local listings for the time and availability in your area. All i got to say is let's go Pirates. What a great story the Buckos are. What a great story. You know, we kind of didn't think that they would uh, play good baseball uh, against St. Louis Cardinals, and now they're up 2-1. Chance to close Uh, it out. And and John brings up something I think we should talk about as well. Um, David Price just crying over his spilled milk calling – calling uh, baseball pundits on TBS and, and, and reporters after being interviewed in a loss, nerds, saying they don't know about the game. They don't, they've never played the game. Okay, okay, fine. Sports writers don't, most sports writers and broadcasters, their experience with sports is either watching them or playing them as a kid with their dad in the backyard, maybe on a team in, in school. Okay, that's fine. But you know what? They're paid to write about your performance. Okay, you have to have a thick skin if you're an athlete. You have to have a thick skin in any business. And to be an absolute douche like you were, a guy, by the way, David Price, who is probably going to be traded to another team in the offseason, might I add, you know, that does you no favors for the team you're in right now, and it does no favors for your trade value as well. So you know what? Shut up, David. Shut up, David Price. Handle your business, and then you won't get the lip service. Yeah, you know what? When you lose, you lose. Just take it. Well, Go to the next game. Exactly. You know, stop, stop the bitching. It's enough of it already, man. We've been complaining. Thank you very much. I know we're getting a little mm, with the language, but it's that kind of a day, folks. It, it is. It is. And you know what? Bitching is bitching, but it's uh, bitching kitchen. It's a great show, by the way. Oh, hey, I love that girl. Yeah, I, I know you. I know it's your main <laughs> show, man. It's my main show. It's my main girl. All right, let's um. I want to throw out a little bit of a quick NBA update here. Okay, give us some association here. Round ball rocket. <laughs> All right, round ball rocket. Here we go. Brooklyn Nets. John Tesh. Yes. Brooklyn Nets point guard uh, Deron Williams uh, telling reporters that he will not play in the team's preseason opener on Tuesday night and will likely miss two games after recovering from an ankle injury. Let's go to Chicago now with another point guard situation. Derrick Rose playing in his first preseason game scoring 13 points in 20 minutes Saturday night, saying he has no soreness at all after the game. It felt like I haven't, even, I hadn't played 
So I guess that is a good sign. So that is very good news for Chicago's Bulls fans. Now, guess who's back in the news again, Jim? Ooh, is it Andrew Bynum? No, it's not, but it's another big who's kind of annoying and needs to go away, and that is Dwight Howard now of the Houston Rockets. Oh, man. Kind of got bashed a little bit by a legendary big man, and that is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem goes, and I quote, Dwight is an extraordinary athlete and has incredible athletic ability, but basketball is a game where the most important muscle that you use on the court is the one between your ears. Dwight's basketball IQ is not up to speed for him to be a dominant player. End quote. Dwight Howard, of course, being Dwight Howard, has to fire back at the legendary Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saying, and I quote, You can't win three Defensive Player of the Year trophies and be stupid. That can't be done. And I don't think any coach that has ever coached me has said, I have a low IQ for basketball. Have I done some dumb stuff on the floor? Yes, every player has. Have I done some stupid things in life? Yes, it's life. We make mistakes and learn from them. It is what it is. I think I am very intelligent when it comes to the game of basketball. I've been playing since I was three years old. Each year, I get a little smarter, end quote. It's Dwight Howard. It's Dwight Howard. I, I trust Kareem more than I... Listen, Kareem has the credentials to say whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And he's right. And you know he's right, and I know he's right. But let me tell you this. Here comes Dwight Howard. Yes, I, have, I do stupid things on the court. Basketball, basketball players with good IQs don't do stupid things on the court. Dirty dirt. Did we see John Stockton do stupid things on the court? Absolutely not. And guess what? If John Stockton did make a mistake, it made the papers because... The, the, the only stupid thing he did was wear short shorts, and that wasn't his fault. Hey, they all did. Exactly. But there was a lot of plays. You know, and Kareem, he, he's, he's, smart. he's right. IQ in basketball is a very, very big deal. We've seen a lot of point guards in their primes who didn't have a great IQ, and guess what? They threw a lot of errant passes that got picked off, you know. So, Dwight Howard, like I said, even he said, extraordinary athlete, extremely athletic. It's very true. He is. I don't say he's a good basketball player, though. I don't. Sorry. That's All just right. me. One one other quick story. You want to talk about uh, douchey comments. ESPN's David Pollock. Oh, God. Just... Where do they find these people? Okay, the backstory with this is former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is expected to be named to the new committee, uh, the College Football Selection Committee, when it comes to the whole playoff system. Okay, all well and good, I guess. Uh, on College Game Day Saturday, Pollock said the following, I want people on this committee, guys, that can watch tape, yes, that have played football, that are around football, that can tell you different teams on tape, not on paper, to which Chris Fowler prompted him, so no woman belongs on the committee then? Pollock responded, you said that? I'll say it. Yeah, yeah. End quote. Bet you won't say that on ESPN.com. Uh, oh, of course not. I had to go to Los Angeles Times Sports to get that little nugget. And, and and I love the video because right next to him is Paul Feinbaum, who's like, Durr. Yeah. Absolute dirt facing, which is hilarious. I, really? Really? What next? Are you going to – I'm surprised you didn't go to the next level and said, well, women should be you – know, Cooking in the kitchen, know their place, and uh, come on, there there and, uh, are women there are women who are qualified more so than men in some respects to vote. I mean, you know, you've got broadcasters, play-by-play -play, uh, broadcasters. Beth Mowens uh, does games for ESPN. I wouldn't be against her on the panel. Let's put it to you that way. Sideline reporters, Aaron Andrews reamed him a new one, and Bonnie Bernstein, who has more credentials than David Pollock will ever had, reamed him a new one as well on Twitter over the weekend. So. It, 
David, just shut your trap, okay? Stick to stick to X's and O's because you weren't that great a player. Come on. You know, and we don't have much time left, but let me get this really off my chest. With girls being such a big part of broadcasting in sports today, yeah. we still get crap like that. So, yeah, unbelievable. Real quick before we leave, uh, 30 seconds left. MLB looking into Magic Johnson's comments on Robinson Cano. I'm sure we'll get into that on Wednesday. So tune we'll in Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, right here for another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Ragus. For Jim Williams, see you all Wednesday. Don't be a crumb bum.